Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. On this week's podcast, you're in for a right treat. It's one of my favourite people in the world, just because I... Yeah, I get so much energy from Brian. He's, uh, he's got an infectious um, energy about him. But what's really interesting in this podcast is that we delve deep into some of the, uh, the, the, the mindset that goes behind his approach to, to life, to training, to business. You know, and he's written two books about mindset and fitness. Um, and it's, there was a real, there's a real depth to what we talked through um, in this podcast with Brian I think there's there are a number of things that are going to challenge you a little bit but in a way that's going to help um help us move forward with the, any goals and any things and our mindset just in general towards living a, a, a better healthier happier life yeah there's some really useful stuff in this one and, and Brian does a really good job of starting quite big about what his life is like now and then deconstructing mm. that and looking at the individual elements and principles and and we balance it out I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this podcast was was just there is a nice balance between what we can often package up as what I need to do to, to live a successful high performing type lifestyle um, with what actually sometimes goes goes forgotten and, and not always prioritized in those situations so I really hope this speaks to you guys on a, on a number of, of different levels and Brian moves pretty quick on this one he's, he's an energetic guy as Brian said <laughs> as uh, Jacko said sorry so um, you might want to listen to it a couple of times you could even probably go to that little thing on your on your app if you're lifting through uh, iTunes and just slow him down a bit because there's some gold in there that you might he goes through some quotes and I'm like what did you just say say that again Brian that was quick you need to repeat that pause, get, pause. Take, take your pause. notebook out make yeah. a note yeah. yeah I like that there was the two words for me, it was like real, like it was real. It was like, it's just real life stuff. And, and a lot of it's simple to try and implement. So we'll leave that there for you to, uh, to, to enjoy as you go through the rest of the podcast. But before we dive into the podcast, we just want to say a massive thank you to the guys at Hemp Heroes who are sponsoring the podcast this week. Now, they've hooked us up with a little bit of their CBD oil and CBD based products. And I've been using them and, um, really started to enjoy a very intense day of computing. I've talked about this on social recently. I've, been, mm. I've done a lot of intense computing. Switching my mind off, getting my little boy to bed, and then finding myself in the evening and then just using the CBD oil to really help just down-regulate in the, in, the, in the evening and just genuinely feeling like that is actually helping in reducing any sort of leftover or residual anxiety or stress from the day. And it, it's something which I've incorporated into my sort of evening process and really been feeling the benefits. Yeah, that's getting a, uh, yeah, getting that, yeah, just reduce, like getting the brain from just like calming down from what's going on today. So if you're anything like us, then you're probably gonna uh, enjoy the benefits of that violent. And it's uh, it's it's 100 organic. It's vegan. It's uh, fully lab tested and uh, works under the EU regulation. So it's um, a full spectrum that you can trust, uh, which is the highest uh, form of CBD oil. And uh, thanks to the guys at Hemp Heroes, you can get 10% off with code SOC10. So that's code SOC10 for 10% off. And there's a link in the show notes if you want to click through and go over to hempheroes.co.uk and uh, has, have, a little, uh, have a little play around with uh, joining us on this uh, CBD journey that we're on. All right, sit back, enjoy Mr. Brian Keane on the School of Calisthenics podcast. Roll that jingle so brian welcome back to the podcast your second time on school cast podcast 
I'm so excited. I, I we literally we've just been bantering and chatting back and forth <laughs> for the last few minutes. So I'm now like right professional mode. Let's talk proper stuff. That no, you don't. No need for that. <laughs> Keep it bit loose and fast flowing. If people haven't, uh, Brian was on on podcast eight five. If people haven't met or come across Brian before, also part of our podcast live earlier this year. Um, I was always the first time we met. I was struck by the infectious uh, um, energy and enthusiasm. And you've said the same thing again when we were just chatting before we went online. Of um, you go, oh, how, how you doing, Brian? It's like I couldn't be better. I couldn't complain at all if I tried. Which makes me, which then brings me to my first question: What would make Brian Keane not like just on top of the world? And, the, and is there ever a time when you're not like, well, I can't complain? You always say that. Can't complain about anything. Life's great. Like everything's pretty, like. What would, what, you know, it's been a difficult year for everyone. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, well, like, obviously, the, the the obvious stuff, like, if anyone close to me gets unwell or sick or unhealthy, like, yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's shit. <laughs> like, um, like, you know, the obvious stuff. But, like, if you catch me, you know, 90 miles into a 100-mile ultramarathon, I'm not as chirpy as I am now either. <laughs> like, you catch me at any of my ultra-endurance events, and I'm like... Oh, Tim Jack looking on my face like I just need to get through these last 10 miles um so yeah so so in those situations I I probably not as chirpy but are you are you intentional about that Brian is that something you actively do like it's an interesting point let's just delve like a, a layer below that I'm going do you do you reinforce the mindset and outlook that you want to have on life by just repeating that more often even if there must be times when things are not great but do you in those situations do you still tell people actively that things are great because it helps to reinforce the gratitude and the positivity around a situation. Yeah, 100%. Like, regardless of... I'm very aware of the power of words and the the power of internal dialogue. I know we talked about this a little bit when you were on my podcast as well, the last one. And I constantly reinforce it in my own head, but very, very conscious of the way that I speak. And, you know, because like I believe you kind of paint your own reality with your thoughts. So I'm like, well, cool. I'm going to choose to have a super positive outlook, not completely blindly. Like I'm aware that COVID-19 and the last few months have been, you know, a struggle and difficult for people, myself included. But I'm like, okay, this is meant to happen for a reason. There's loads of positives here. I can choose to focus on those or I could choose to focus on the negatives. I'm just making a conscious choice to focus on the things that are positive. And when I do that, like I can't really complain. Like, you know, all my family, my loved ones are all healthy and well. You know, I still get to see everybody that I'm really close with. I love my job. I love what I do. You know, I get to train. Like I've got an endless amount of kit in my house. So even when the gyms close, I can still work out as normal. Like I genuinely don't have the things to complain about. And even when, you know, things get difficult or you have those anxieties about, you know, what's going to happen with the pandemic and all that, you just, I just switch my focus back onto the things that are positive. And then as a result, your entire state changes. Like, you know, what you focus on is what expands and you can change your mood by changing your state and what you focus on. And I just do that consistently and reinforce it over and over again. Yeah, I love that. And uh, yeah, the, the, the mindset side of things and how you intentionally do that is something that I've definitely learned from, from from just speaking of you previous times and, and that sort of stuff for uh some people won't know you've written two books about mindset the fitness mindset rewire your mindset and you've done some of these crazy um mar- ultra marathons when you describe yourself as not even a runner like just in a in a snapshot just for people that may not have come across you like what do they um what are some of the like a vast array of things that you uh, you've been up to and get up to yeah so like just a super elevator pitch for anyone that's not 
used to or doesn't know of me or isn't familiar with me like I'm a former primary school teacher turned kind of fitness coach online trainer that wrote a couple of books that did really well the fitness mindset was my first book I released in 2017 that book talks about fitness how to get in shape and then the mindset to keep it over the long term uh, rewire your mindset I wrote in 2019 which is a, a, a basically an operational manual for my life that I wrote for myself and just released it out for people so feedback and that has been amazing too and over the last few years I've been kind of delving into the world of ultra endurance so I used to compete as a bodybuilder I used to do those fitness model shows I used to be a professional fitness model traveling around the world I was one of those like ab selfie twats on Instagram and I used to <laughs> that was all my content and but over the last few years I transitioned out and uh 2018 I did Marathon to Saab which is the six back-to-back marathons through the Sahara Desert at uh, 2019 I ran 230 kilometers in five days through the Arctic Circle um in February this year I ran my first 100 mile ultra marathon and yeah I've just been doing kind of a little bit of ultra endurance challenges now a lot of it for mindset you know some of it to kind of just keep my mind focused and training for something in particular and yeah that's kind of like my uh snapshot elevator 30 second pitch on what I do or 60 second pitch on what I do nice I'm going to ask you a, a real fitness question and let's tap into your areas of expertise now I don't want to blow smoke at your backside Brian but you maintain a decent physique year round I'm not going to uh it says yeah, the two bad. lads here that look like you've been peeled off of Men's Health magazine. Mate, rec- I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Recently, like, I Googled some pictures of Brian Keane and um, I've seen some of those fitness model shots. And I know what you're oh, talking yeah, but- about. This is like serious <laughs> I, the, the, I had the pouty pose phase too i was like the oh, everything the i just like about instagram i was i'm just like oh no brian you didn't but anyways our past is our past <laughs> let me ask my serious question so <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm gonna sound all like all serious then um so people are gonna we've got a lot of our audience are doing mixed types of training they're interested in, in endurance running they're interested in strength training they're interested in calisthenics how do you mix and blend that together so that you you seem to me to straddle the best of both worlds quite well you you can go and do a hundred mile ultra but you can also maintain decent body comp and obviously the the training is going to a certain amount um the the distance training is going to contribute to body fat composition or body fat percentage what about muscle mass because there'll be some people out there that start running and it just like drops off them and they go to mr or mrs spaghetti arms yeah it's a a really good question because when it comes to finding the balance, there's a sweet spot there for everybody. And I get asked versions of this on my social media channels because people will see photos or I'll put out workout videos in a stringer or shirtless, but then the next day I could have a 20 mile run on my stories. And they're like, wait, wait, what? hold on. Like what happened there? Like, how are you this big and how is your body fat so low? And there's a couple of answers to that. There's some actual tactical stuff, but I would be remiss if I didn't say there's a genetic component too. Like, you know, I'm five foot eight. I'm built like a hobbit. Like I'm not built, I'm, I'm super short, little long, short legs, short arms. Like I'm built for, that's my build. So, and I've been training, I'm nearly 18 years training, nearly 20 years training now, my birthday's next month. And lifting weights for a long time. So even when I run 100 mile weeks and training weeks, like I'm not going to get, into a spaghetti guy like my body just won't ever be like that i've been for as long as i've known i grew up on a farm like moving stuff around on a farm before all the machinery when i was 11 12 13 so i've always been a big guy i was a big kid 
And even now when I'm doing all the endurance work, I don't really lose much muscle mass. It's just my body fat comes down. And then you, you both of you guys know this. When you're leaner, you look bigger. So when you're in photos or you're in videos, the leaner you are, you know, your shoulders are bigger, waist is smaller, so you look bigger. So there's that element too. But what I would say to people, is taking the genetic component out of it. There's definitely some structural stuff you can do with your training and your nutrition to get the best of all worlds. And for me, nutrition plays a massive role. Like as long as my calories don't drop that low, it's actually relatively straightforward to maintain muscle while training for 100-mile ultramarathons. I'm training for a 100-mile ultra in February now. So it's actually relatively easy to maintain that size because that's just a minimal effective dose on hypertrophy in your workouts. And I'll talk about like my human flag training and stuff like that as well, because I like mixing and matching things as well. Hence what you guys do and it's coming through your course, doing your stuff that shows that. But in terms of keeping the size, going in and doing 30 minutes of weightlifting, like I'll do my normal bodybuilding split, a push-pull leg split, you know, and I'll do a strength strength workout on Thursday and then whatever I'm feeling like on Friday and then I'll do my runs and my endurance work after it but my nutrition will change based on how how many miles I'm covering that week like if I'm eating 3,000 calories this week and I'm bumping up 20 miles into my training sessions next week I'm doing five miles extra every training run I'm going to bump it up to 4,000 like I'm I'm multi I'm changing my nutrition to make sure that it matches whatever my output is so as a result of that you maintain your size quite easily so what I generally tell people is like trying to reach for two goals like if you're trying to train for a marathon and you're trying to build muscle and you've never really focused on either one, like it's the, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Like they're two opposing, diametrically opposing goals Mm. that aren't necessarily going to help each other, but maintain muscle and training for a marathon or training for ultramarathons, that's completely different. So what I would advise people to consider and think about is what's your starting point? Because you can do both of those things. It's just probably going to be more beneficial to focus on one do your marathon, build your muscle, and then find a minimum effective dose to maintain either the muscle mass or the endurance or the normal fitness to run a marathon at any time and then focus on the other goal. That's probably a better approach. The same as like if someone comes to you and says, I want to do, you know, handstand walk. I want to do a human flag. I want to do a, um, you know, this, that, or the other. Your, your, your advice is going to be similar. Focus on getting the basics down and doing one move and then building on to the next one. Mm. It's the same advice it's just you're taking it and changing it to fit a different training parameter outside of calisthenics. Yeah, I've, you've stirring some questions up in me. that um, takes me right back to when I finished playing rugby and went into to calisthenics. I had this transition where I was training for nothing. And I was like, I remember being in the gym, looking around at other people and like, there's people training really hard. And I used to love pushing myself. But when I wasn't playing rugby anymore, I was a bit like, there just didn't seem any point. There was like no game of the weekend. And, you know, you're someone that, you push yourself hard. Like I I want to talk about like the 5am get-ups and that sort of stuff in a minute, but what's the, what's the point? Like, what's the reason? What's, what's motivating? Like is setting yourself, like signing up to Marathon de Sabo, is that the, is that what motivates you? But then even before this, like, what's the, why, what's the point in doing that? Why, why are you pushing yourself in that? Like I'm admiring of it, if you know what I mean, I'm just interested to know like what's behind it. There's two answers because it depends on the type of training. Um, the running, because I've spoken on this podcast and you know we had a conversation on my podcast a couple of times about it as well. Like I'm not a fan of running. I'm very vocal about <laughs> my dislike for running. 
But the reason I sign up for events is because I won't run otherwise. Um, like I had to, even coming into the last lockdown and the last restriction here in Ireland, I signed up for a hundred mile ultra in February. I'm like, look, it might not go ahead. There could be a problem there, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, cool. I really want to try and run a hundred miles in less than 24 hours. I'm like, that's the current goal. And so I signed up and at least it gave me, I'm like, I can't get to the gym, but I can get my miles in outside. So that was the reason for that. So I sign up because it keeps me accountable to, well, there's this same goal and I want to try and hit it. So it forces me to train when it comes to like the weightlifting. I do enjoy weightlifting. I enjoy bodyweight work. I enjoy, you know, the calisthenic work. I enjoy high intensity workouts. They're habits. Like they're something I've been doing for as long as I can remember. And I'll do, I'll be the 97 year old doing hit workouts and doing pull-ups. Like I know that because it's part of my life. It's something that I love. So it comes on two different angles based on the approach, the training that I enjoy doing. It's so habitual. Now I get up in the morning and I work out and it's a pillar and sets up my day, but the running it's, I have to sign up for something external because that's what will make me intrinsically motivated to do the training first. So I, based on which one you're talking about, I've got kind of two different answers on it. Yeah, but then, but so then why, like, why the running? Why not just be, why not just do all the other training? Like when, you know, when you said that you don't like it. Because I don't find it easy. Um, I don't find it easy. I tried a good example on this. It probably says, I suppose I'd at least do a deep psychological Freudian, Jungian thought process on this, but I did a little bit of CrossFit when I used to live in London. And then when I came back to Ireland, I started CrossFitting and I was very good at CrossFit. I'm built to CrossFit. Like yeah. I'm very, I'm very naturally strong, grew up on a farm. I'm very naturally fast, played sport all my life. So I built for CrossFit. But I find CrossFit very easy. Even the hardest workouts, I find it re- not easy, but I'm I'm made for it. It comes naturally. You know, yeah. it comes naturally. Where running doesn't. Like running is so humbling for me because it's so. I never. It's so difficult. I think like, that will blow some 11, people's did, mind, Brian, that they're like, what he he doesn't like. He's doing it because he knows he doesn't like it and isn't good at it. Like we often search for the things that we are good at and we do find easy. I think that that will really challenge people's mindset. It's yeah, and that's why I do it. That that's my entire philosophy because when I run, so I did an eleven kilometer run today, and I've been doing them, you know, every morning after my workouts, um, and it varies depending on the distance based on the day. And like it just, it's, it's such a slug. Like you're just powering through, it. and I can run them pretty quickly. Like I'm getting faster because I've been running for years now, but it's still so difficult. But what that does is it just conditions you to handle things that are difficult and you just get better at them. So when it comes to a work task, like I'm the king of just shut up and get it done. Like, you know, to myself, like if I have to write, if I have a book deadline, if I have podcasts I need to record, if I have videos I need to do, a course I need to create, and I don't feel like it, I'm just like, just suck it up and just get it done. And running conditions me to do that because it's it's my version of strengthening that self-discipline muscle every single day. And then it just makes the rest of my life considerably easier. Conversations I don't want to have, work tasks I don't want to do, things that I'm not feeling like doing, it just makes it all considerably easier. So it's it's a paradox. Like doing difficult things is a massive paradox because when you condition yourself to do things that are difficult, it makes life feel significantly easier versus the reverse. When you do things that are really easy, your life seems a lot more difficult. But I just try and live within that paradox and it massively supports me. Is the 5 a.m. get up part of that, choosing to do that? Or is, do you need to do that to get everything done in time? Uh, 
Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's a great one. It, it's both. It's it, another thing that shocks people is I'm not a morning person. So I get up every morning at 5 a.m. and I'm not a morning person. And I find the, the problem with this is I know you called me out in a jack with the start of our last podcast. We were like, are you always fucking like this? And I'm like, look, there's <laughs> times when I'm not. Uh, but, it, and, but it's the same with the, with the running and the getting up at 5 a.m. Like sometimes people hear that, especially people who aren't like engaged in a lot of my content. They're like, oh, he's full of shit. He loves running. He's easy to get up in the morning. And I'm like, look, I wouldn't tell you one thing if the other thing was true i would just be like yeah i'm a morning person i jump out of bed i'm like i don't it, getting up at 5 a.m for someone that's a natural night owl i'm way i would go to bed way closer to 2 a.m 3 a.m if i was just left to my own devices but getting up at 5 a.m is similar to running it conditions me at the first the start of every day just to get up like i never want to get up at 5 a.m like there's sometimes when i've slept really well the night before and it's easier but I never want to get up. Like you're, you're never hopping out of bed. Like I have friends who are morning people and they hop out of bed at fucking half four, five, six. And I'm like, oh, like it, it takes me about 40 minutes just to wake up. Like one of the things I love in the morning is no one else is awake. So I, I can't really function or talk to anyone for about 40 minutes. And then by the time I get into the gym, by the time I'm up and running and at six o'clock, I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, I'm, I'm happy out. My brain is working. Everything's switched on. But those two pillars of self-discipline really support other aspects of my life, the getting up in the morning early when I don't want to and running. And I think everybody, or what I, what I would consider, I would never tell anybody what to do, but something that's worth considering is finding areas of your life that are potentially difficult that will make your life significantly better if you did it, regardless of how you felt. And then just building that into your life in some shape or form, whether that's doing push-ups in the morning to get a bit better with your upper body strength, whether that's prepping meals when you get home from work, because you know, you're not going to make good food choices the next day, like conditioning yourself, figuring out what's the thing that will make my life quality significantly better that I'm just going to do, whether I feel like it or not. And my two versions of that are getting up early and making sure that I run different people will have different versions of that, but it's something that's worth considering and looking at as someone that's reaped the benefit of it over the years, particularly as it's compounded positively over time. I couldn't believe in that more. Yeah. People do that with like ice and stuff as well. Do you do, do you play around with any like cold water and that sort of stuff? I do. I do. Yeah, I do. Um, Partly for different reasons. So what I, I do ice, so I've got an ice bath at home. I have a sauna in my house as well. Um, So I do heat and ice and cold. And, one of the reasons I started doing the ice with both for different reasons. So the sauna was when I was training for the Sahara, I started doing a lot of sauna work to try and just help me prepare for the Sahara and the heat. And then in 2019, I was training for the Arctic. So I was very aware of like hypothermia and frostbite. So I'm like, right, I need to condition my body to get good with the cold. But what I found when I started doing the ice and it was, it was working for two benefits. One, I found my recovery, my physical recovery was better makes perfect sense you played rugby you know tim i know you know this from all your background with sports like reduce inflammation all the positive biomarkers then come from exposing yourself to ice in terms of physical recovery but i found that my mental health was really good when i was in the ice like that's one of the things that ice does and heat does this to a degree as well because it's stressors like they're acute stressors and there's a big difference between chronic stress and acute stress. A lot of people will be familiar with cortisol, with stress. I know you guys know all this. You talk about it. 
like chronic stress where your life isn't in order and people are shouting at you, yelling at you, you hate your job, you're in a bad relationship, all these things, like that's chronic stress. It's not very good for us over the long term. Where acute stressors like training, exposure to heat, cold exposure, all of these things are acute stressors, which are really beneficial. But I get such a huge mental benefit from it. Like if I have any stress or worries or anxieties, they're just that like type A mind chatter where your brain just won't switch mm. off. And that happens. Like that's a catch-22. That's so good for getting stuff done, but it's terrible when you're trying to unwind. Like I really struggle to switch off. It's why I'm not really a meditative person in the sense that I can't do traditional meditation because it's just not enough to switch my brain off. But the ice for me serves as meditation. Mm. It forces everything to calm down. And then I do two, three, four, up to six, seven minutes based on how good my cold exposure is at the time and how many consecutive days or consecutive weeks I'm doing it. And then that all of that just shuts down. Like all that brain chatter and mind chatter just shuts down. Like, and you don't have to jump in an ice bath for this. You do, I, I'm doing cold showers at the minute. At the end of my workouts, I'm just doing three minutes in a nice cold shower because it's winter now. The, it's colder. Yeah. The showers are significantly colder. So it works really well. I do two minutes in, 30 second break, 30 seconds in for three minutes total. And that just, everything just, clears everything just calms so again for different reasons i kept that i I started it to train for the arctic and then got so much benefit from it it's something that i just kept in my daily regimen i think there's a really good point there and there's one thing i mentioned to jacko just before we came on air that i'm going to try and tie two things together i I saw a great tweet from eric cressy i don't know if you know eric he's a he he works uh, he's based in the states big in in baseball strength and conditioning coach but he's put um i'm I'm amused when a 24 year old lifestyle entrepreneur with no kids tell me i need a morning routine at 6 a.m with two kids fighting over a balloon and the third trying to pull down the christmas tree your hour-long meditation and meticulously prepared chai tea ritual isn't for me and then he there's a follow-up tweet that talks about his youngest is taking a particular interest in the dog's butthole so he's also having to throw that in the mix as well but there'll be so many people i read that and i was like yeah that's me like people talk about morning routine routines and i my little boy is a is a light sleeper in the morning so if i wake him up i am the day is on like the, i have to I've, I've been tiptoeing downstairs in my own house a prisoner in my own house for the last three years so it's just i just look at a morning routine and go it is what it is i've got a, i've got a toddler that doesn't sleep in in the morning but what I want you to get your thoughts on is is sometimes when 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 we have these kind of conversations about these are things that I do, that's obviously scaled over time, right? And people will appreciate that. But it's almost like people could listen to it and go, well, I haven't got a sauna. I haven't got an ice bath. I can't go up, get up early in the morning. I can't do X, Y, and Z. And that's a can't do attitude. But there is some truth behind it. I really struggle with a, with a morning routine. So I've kind of got a few strategies that I put in place, but I want I, I want you to sort of talk about how do we start to break some of this stuff down so that it doesn't feel like something else to do, which I think is where people have been in 2020. There's a lot to do in a day. And, and I personally, have, I'm in a constant battle. If I chase the day, I lose. So the day gets away from me. So I have to be very intentional because I'll just, I'm the same as you, type A will just work and noise and my head is going and I switch off at the end of the day and I'm like, boom, well, that was another day. Whereas if I'm intentional about putting things in place, then I do much better, but it's always an opportunity cost. There's loads of stuff in there. Go where you like with it. All right, first thing I'm going to pull back and because I always think when any, I always cringe when I mention the sauna and then hear it back. I'm like, you sound like such a posh twat when I say I've got a sauna <laughs> in my house. But but just to, just to give context, the, um, 
I I was doing hot baths for ages. So I did that for about six months where I was doing like really, really hot baths. And I saw a deal on a sauna. Saunas are, is it expensive? But they're considerably less than you would think, you know? And I remember thinking, look, I'll use this. I'm like, I'm preparing for the Sahara. I'll be training from home at times. I'm like, I'll use <laughs> Brian, this. you haven't got to justify having a sauna. I wasn't thinking that at all. No, no, but I every, think it's, every I want one. But I every, want time, sauna. every time <laughs> yeah, I say it, though. Come on, lad. I'm a, what, a couple of grand? Uh, yeah, a couple of grand. I think I, I think sixteen hundred. I got my sauna for, um, which is which is really decent. And when you use it, it's a good investment. Yeah. Uh, but I always think when I bring it up, I'm just like, oh, posh wanker. Like, um, but just to, to pull it back, just to say that for people, just to even make something like the the excuses. Like, I'm all about like monitoring the excuses. If if it's like, well, I don't have a sauna. It's like, cool, you can do a hot bath. I don't have an ice bath. Okay, cool, you can do a cold shower. You know, I can't get up in the morning awesome you need to carve out time at some other point in the day then like there's always a way around it for every excuse there's an answer now there's a a whole mindset philosophy based on are you happy to just live in the excuse or do you actually genuinely want an answer like you know so Mm. that's a different route completely but what i'd say there when it comes to morning routines it really depends on the person and what works best that's so funny that you say that because like they that comes up on my feed like 24 year old lifestyle entrepreneur like and you know similar to you like I've got you know business my daughter loved ones all of these things so like life isn't uh you know may wave a magic wand and this is exactly what happens so it's it's finding where's the minimum effective dose to keep the analogy I used earlier when you're trying to build muscle and keep muscle for an ultra marathon you don't go to the gym and do two hours of lifting weights you can't or you you can but going to be counterproductive to running and all these other goals but you can do 25 minutes of a minimum effective dose and i think morning routines and lifestyle routines are very similar you don't have to do a full hour like your morning routine might be five minutes it might be 10 minutes it might be just something that sets you up for the day and your morning routine ironically might not be in the morning you might carve out another time in the day that's your time like i'm a big believer in you can't give from an empty cup like and i think this is especially important for people that are parents that are married that are running businesses especially for those ones anyone that's got loved ones in their life because if you if you can't give from an empty cup if you're drained if you're and you guys know this you've transformed people's lives with calisthenics and the lifestyle approach that you take to it and people who have i've seen some of your testimonies people who's like my life has completely changed and that makes them a better version of everything that they're doing they're better at work they're better with their family they're better with loved ones they're a better person because they're happier that's the philosophy of not giving from an empty cup so you have to figure out what you need to do in your day that allows you to do that is that finding a way to carve out 30 minutes for a workout is it preparing your meals or getting a meal prep company to just outsource that part of your life so you don't have to think about it is it you know making sure that you're sitting down with your family every single day for dinner so that you can have that quality time because you're at work for eight or nine hours during the day and you're commuting another two or three hours whatever that looks like and then don't beat yourself up if you don't hit it consistently like use any failure as feedback if you're not able to do it the way you want for consecutive days look at it and go right this isn't working I need to try something else. And then you're just constantly looking for that square peg in a square hole. Like you're constantly trying to find the fit. And what I would advise is when you find what works, 
with lifestyle, with family, with training, with diet, whatever it is, just double down on it then because it gets considerably easier. Like the start of any new journey is the, signif- is the hardest part by far. Like going from zero to one is so much harder than going from one to 10 on starting anything new. So once you get a little bit of motivation or one apologies, a little bit of momentum, it makes it considerably easier to follow. So if that means you start with five minutes a day, then that's what you start with. And if you decide in a month to time to go to 10 minutes for a morning routine then that's what you do but start small and then gradually build it up like that's the secret very similar i don't know was it tim or jacko which one of you said it to me at the beginning about scales looking at my lifestyle in terms of what i do in scale i'm like none of it started with a hundred mile ultra marathon it didn't start running six back-to-back marathons it didn't start by training multiple days or whatever it is it started by you know running a, a marathon training for a marathon and then trying to run multiple marathons and then trying to roll multiple marathons at once i.e 100 mile which is closer to four marathons at once so you, you're, you're building up and never and i always i'm always wary and i'm sure you guys are the same that when you tell your story, I'm always hesitant because it's the tip of an iceberg. And unless this is the beauty of questions that you're asking, Mm. it's getting down lower and getting to the root of it. So people don't see the tip because then it makes it seem like it's unachievable, but it's only unachievable when you see the very top of it. When you see what went in at the ground floor and the foundation, it becomes significantly more achievable then and more realistic because you're like, oh, if you want to run a hundred mile ultra marathon, well, you need to learn how to run a mile first. I'm like, you need to run, learn how to run five miles first. And then you gradually build up. I think that's a metaphor for anything you do in your life. You start small, you get better, you build on confidence on it. You get more competent with it. You rinse and repeat, you use the failure as feedback and you keep going till you hit whatever that in target or in goal is. Yeah. I love the, I love the simplicity of, of this, of all of you, all of your advice to be fair, like you hear it and it's, and it's you know it doesn't it's not complicated it doesn't the, the the only the difficult thing is actually putting some of these things into practice but i know and i'm sure for me and i'm i'm sure there'll be lots of people listening that will be the same that particularly the bit around hearing you saying well i don't like doing this thing but i know that for either for the long term or later in the day or for whatever reason it's going to serve me well and that i just find that encouraging that next time i you know as I said before, we often search for things. If something doesn't, if something feels difficult, we shy away from it. It's like, oh, well, if it doesn't feel easy to do or right, then maybe it's not right for me. I'll try and find something else rather than going, yeah, I'm going to do that little thing. Just, and that might be having a cold shower in the morning or it might be whatever it is, but it, it just gives me, yeah, it just gives me encouragement. I think that I choose to do those things. Ultimately, it just comes down to choices. But I love the fact that it's simple. I want to flip this and just and, and, and get your point on this, Brian, because I think it, there's, there's something going th- I've been thinking about this week and this tag, this dovetails it brilliantly. And it's related to how we share our lives on social. We can mm. come to that later on. But I'm challenging myself for sometimes the thing that I don't want to do and let me, I'll, put, I'll frame this in context, is be present with my son when I'm at home. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm distracted by work. And to your point before of going, what is it going to, that's going to fill your cup up? Well, it's part of that is being a good dad. But sometimes like these things of doing hard things like a cold shower or a long run or a tough workout, those are things that we kind of like, we, we put up on a pinnacle and we, or a pedestal even, and we go, this is social media worthy content. I'm doing something hard. Sometimes the hardest thing is to sit down and be present with your family at dinner time. 
And, and that is like from a connection perspective is super, super important. And I think I sometimes worry that these conversations go in a direction of people go, I've got to go and do more stuff. I've got to go and do more hard things, but there's a cost of that. And the thing that is actually most important is that love and support network. If you if you're blessed enough to have that, the people that you sit down and have breakfast with, like I'm, I'm so in tune with sometimes when, when my wife wakes up in the morning, I know if she wants me to, wants my attention or not. And if <laughs> I, I could choose, like, I'm going to go out and do a workout. I've got to get my workout in. And that's going to put her, in, in priority order below that mm. when, when she's looking at me and she's I can read her body language she wants to have breakfast and a coffee and that's the most important thing that I do that 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 morning do you know what I mean I just I, was, I want to frame yeah, that for yeah. people to make sure we're not always thinking about trying to do hard stuff yeah well the hard well, the hard thing might be like choosing to do the yeah like maybe I want to I want to go and do a workout now but yeah I'm going to go and do this other thing for family or whatever yeah my thoughts on that, because it's such a great point. And I'm a, like w- one of the things I talk about a lot on my channels, it's in the Rewire Your Mindset book, is like health, wealth, love, and fulfillment. I break my life into four quadrants for that reason. Because as you said, like it's very, you want you need to guard against this is why I'm always hesitant talking about what I do. As you said, you don't want to add another thing to your plate. And hard things are relative. When I say hard, I don't mean physically hard or physically difficult. Like very similar to you, Tim, one of the things I struggle with, not as much now because I've got better with this, but really struggled when my daughter was about two years of age, was that being present because my mind was always at what I need to do at work or a podcast I was recording or a chapter I was writing. And I just couldn't sit and play dolls or I couldn't sit and play dolls because it's a girl. Like it's you've got the cool toys the cars and all the stuff i'm like me they were rocking up with disney princesses but that it's being present i really struggled with but it's the same the thing that makes you successful in fitness can make you successful in other areas from my experience like when you're training for a human flag or when you're training for um you know a muscle up or when you're training for whatever training goal you have a marathon or trying to build muscle whatever it is you do you you set out with a plan this is the thing I think that will potentially, this is what success looks like. You've determined in your mind what success looks like from the front end. And then you ask yourself, you reverse engineer, what do I need to do in order to hit this success point? And in training, it's you show up and you do the movements or the stretches or the work you need to do in order to get better at the movement. When it came to being present with my daughter, I'm like, okay, well, the thing I want, I'm like, why do I want to be present? I'm like, well, I want to be present because I want to have a really strong relationship there. I'm like, why do I want to have a really strong relationship? I'm like, okay, because I want her, I want to be the person that if shit goes wrong in her life or things get bad, she feels she can turn to me on it. I'm like, okay, so that's my why. I'm like, I'm trying to be her person, similar to how my mom was in my life. I'm like, well, I'm trying to be this person right? What do I need to do in order to become this person? So you just reverse it back then. I'm like, well, I need to be prioritizing time with her. I need to be present in the time that I'm with her. And if my mind gets distracted, I ask myself, well, why is it getting distracted? So one of the big ones for me, and there's loads, but a big one for me was my phone. So I do a digital detox at the weekend, a little bit different now in, in, in COVID, just because we have a different kind of setup system at the minute. But normally in non-COVID times, I don't go on my phone Saturday or Sunday. I have a weekend digital detox. My phone is nowhere near me generally. And part of that reason was started was, when I had this distraction here, so when I'm playing dolls or Lego on the floor, there was something else I could be doing. I could be flicking through my Instagram. I could be doing something else, which was instantly taking me out of the moment and I wasn't being present. Mm-hmm. So I identified a thing that was potentially hindering. It's the tell me where I'm going to die and just don't go there. I'm like, well, this is fucking this up. Pull it away and test it again and see. And I found that it was so much easier to be present when I didn't have the distractions. I also found that it was very easy to be present when there wasn't many other people and a lot of other things going on. So that's why I just disconnected 
disconnect. I don't work at the weekends. I don't do anything like that. I'm in dad mode. You know, it's not that you're not in dad mode the rest of the week, but you're in full on dad mode at the weekend because you're not in work mode. And it's, I think everything is like that. You use the same principles that make you successful in one area. And I'm not telling people how to parent. I'm literally just giving an example of what I do. So far outside my area of expertise, there's better people, but I can tell you what I do. And I'm just pulling from what did, did, did make me successful in fitness and does make me successful in fitness and trying to take the lessons or the principles and apply it into other areas of life. And when you know that that's something that's difficult for you, you, yeah, you have to ask, what's your, what, what do you value? You know, what's your value? Like, and once you know what you value, you can prioritize that time. Like I, my values, I know what my values are now. I didn't once upon a time we talked about social media there and we might get into that. Like I had a lot of junk values. So I had a lot of value in my metrics, my numbers on social media, my downloads on podcasts, my, you know, subscribers and emails or money in my bank account. I had all these, what I call junk values to a degree. No, those things don't matter to me now. I'm like, yeah, they're fucking great to have, but I don't really care. Like if you pull Instagram from me in the morning and I'm like, all right, yeah, that's going to affect business in a, in a some shape or form. But I'm like, is my mom healthy? Is my daughter happy? You know, are my loved ones? How's my partner doing? How's she feeling? You know, how are my friends? Are they all healthy and well and happy? Like, there are things that that I I value. So my actions map to that value now because I check in with it regularly. Like at the end of the day, I'll look back and go, cool. How did I show up in my relationship today? How was I with my daughter today? How was I with my mom today? My sister, my best friend. How did I show up on the podcast with the lads? You know, all of these things I'll check back in with. And sometimes it'll be, man, you aren't fucking that good today with Holly, my daughter. Or you aren't that good today on, you know, your writing task or the podcast. You aren't fully connected with it. And I'm like, all right, cool. We'll take that as feedback. We'll plug it in and try and improve next time. And then you're just rinsing and repeating that cycle over and over again. For the record, you're doing well on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to it yet, but there's um, the, the High Performance Podcast had Matthew McConaughey on this week. And I'd seen a snippet on, on social of him saying, yes, we need to analyze the failures. Like we always talk about that, but analyze the success because there's gold in there. Like we sometimes don't reward or, or congratulate or take time to even recognize when we've had a success. And if you're a type A person, you're moved, you do something and you move to the next thing, your goalposts are constantly shifting. So I, I know I'm terrible at that, of actually just sitting back and going, that was good. Like, why was that good? And I think that that helps you to really understand yourself. So you get the identity then of when I'm, when I'm absolutely properly operating and I'm in my flow state and I do something really good. Like what were the conditions of success around that? And, and, and I think there's that, that Oscar Wilde quote that I've used many times over the year, but success is a science. If you create the conditions, you get the result. And I think that we, we sometimes look back at why didn't something work. But like you say, when, I, when I'm present with Jack, why was that good? And you're dead right. It's the phone. If you, if, you, if you have your own business or you're on, into social media or whatever, that phone is a huge, huge distraction. And it's better off just not anywhere, nowhere near. Because everyone who's got kids will know there's a come to a point where you've done four races around the living room and it's Lightning McQueen against a police car and you never get to win. Where you're like, I'm a bit bored of that now. I'll just see what's happening on social. <laughs> but like, if it's not there, you can't do it. Yeah. And you go, well, should we go, Jack, should we go do something else? Let's go and play football. It's just, yeah, thank you for that because I think it's really, really useful just to balance out that that kind of conversation of, of, of where we invest our time. And there's always going to be a prop opportunity cost, right? If if one of those things means that you don't get your workout in that day, you can then rely back on, on your minimal dose um, context that you're talking about where you go, well, just do a little bit of something. Go and do a basic set of, of, of do 20 minutes of workout or, or something 
that you can probably fit in at some point else, other, uh, other stage of the day. I think that, that's a real key thing. What is a minimal effective dose from a physical training perspective, which you can always have in your back pocket? Yeah. Well, knowing your values and what you prioritize, like that, that's why I kind of talk on that. And an example, just to tie into this, and you, you guys are an exception because you did the podcast live at the weekend. And because of obviously, I'm like, I can't wait to chat to the lads. It's only for an hour. But I, I very rarely do anything at the weekend, like because of the opportunity cost. Like I get asked, I'm in a very fortunate position, similar to you lads, that people will ask me to speak at events, you know, now digitally, but, you know, in virtual, in person, people will ask me to do this, that or the other. And if it falls on a Saturday or Sunday, 99 out of probably 999 out of a thousand times, I say no, because I'm like, well, that's, that's my time that I'm with my daughter. You know, that's the time when I'm, I've tuned everything else out. And that's because I like I'm with her during the week as well. It's different, but you're you're in work mode. Mm. You're, you're in you're prioritizing other things then because you're like, well, I need to put food on the table and grow the business and all those other things. So when you know what you value, it makes it super easy to say no. Like as you said, one of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who it's from, but it's the op- it's based on opportunity costs. That when you stop chasing the wrong things, you give the right things a chance to catch up. And once you know what the right things are it makes it very easy to say no to the to everything that doesn't move that forward. Like I literally had, and I nearly didn't put this, I'm so glad I did. I left it in the book because I nearly took it out. I have a chapter in there, a section in there on how to say no. And I nearly took it out. I sent it to some proofreaders, friends of mine who were like, no, you need to keep that. They were like, that's gold. I like, he was like, they were telling me people don't know how to say no. So I was like, I'll leave it in there. And the reason I'm so big on saying no to things is because there's an opportunity cost. Because everything you say yes to means you're saying no to something else and vice versa. Mm. So when you're clear and what's a high priority for you and what's important to you, it makes it so much easier to say no. Anyone, and I've been in this position, who struggles and says yes to everything. And it's funny because success is weird. Like to get successful, you have to say yes to a lot of things, but to stay successful, you have to start saying no to a lot of things. And so it, 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 you, when you find where that kind of, where that point shifts, it's really important to understand as well. But when you get better at saying no, when you know what the things are that you are important to you and you value, saying no is easy. When I used to say yes to everything all the time, it was because I didn't really know what I valued. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So it was easy to say yes to those six pints at the weekend and go out. It was easy to say yes to, you know, going to watch some match that I had no interest in watching or, you know, going on a date with somebody I had no interest in probably pursuing. Like you were just saying yes because you're like, ah, I'm a bit bored. I may as well. I don't do that now because I know what's valuable to me. And everybody can do a version of this where they just go, well, what do I want to do? What do I want my body to look like? What do I want my business to look like? Or what do I want my work life to look like? Or what do I want my family to look like? You know, think about that. And then all the things that move the needle in that area of your life forward, you say yes to, ideally. And all the things that don't move it forward, you say no to. And you'd be surprised how much stuff you eliminate by just doing that. Yeah, I think that one of the things, one word that jumped out at me when you're talking about some of that stuff and, and what Tim was touching on, I was like, when you understand your why, and the motivations and then it allows you to get a bit of a bigger picture perspective so that when you miss your workout because you've done something for your sister or your wife or just whatever like rather than being like those of us that love training love our fitness like with the the go-to is potentially to beat ourselves up a little bit rather than we should be patting ourselves on the back going no you did that that other thing that in reality in, in perspective is way more important so like good on you can do another workout another time or like um, but when we're bogged down in our training and like how we're progressing and whatever, like it can just get, because it's right in front of you. It can just get, 
you, you, yeah, you just pretend you've got the potential to just lose that perspective. But I love that, you know, it sounds like you've got a very healthy way to, because you understand your why, to keep that perspective. Well, that's where we start using the word addiction, isn't it? Mm. If you if you can't not train, then because you've got something else which is potentially more pressing, then that's a problem. Mm. That's not a balanced life. You've got a fitness addiction, and because it's fitness, it's a healthy addiction, so it's not an addiction. But it is. It's, it's a mental addiction mm. to something which you cannot let go, and there's something else is, is is bearing the cost of that decision potentially negatively. Like I think it's so important to keep all of that in check. Well, I think if fitness doesn't enhance your life you need to look at your relationship to it. Like it's similar to social media. Like I'm a, a big proponent as someone that didn't have the healthiest relationship with social media once upon a time. I'm a big believer that there's no problem with social media. It's your relationship to it. That's the problem. And I think fitness is the same. Fitness isn't the problem. It's your relationship to it. And I can only speak as someone that it's funny you say that because I was definitely a fitness addict back in the parts of my life when I would train multiple times a day it was because I felt really disconnected in other areas of my life. Like didn't like my job, wasn't in great place with, you know, networks and family and friends, or else I was away from close ones and family. And I would train multiple times a day because it was my escape. I'm like, this is, this is my addiction. And you justify it with, well, fitness is healthy. It's fine. Not realizing that there's this massive void in your life. And now I know for me, it's a, a warning sign. It's not a red flag, but it's a yellow flag that if I'm finding that I need to train multiple hours a day and I'm not just getting up at 5 a.m. to do because I'm training for an ultra marathon because I have an end goal where I'm just trying to escape or disconnect. I normally means I'm trying to escape from something. For me, it's normally a relationship thing or sometimes it's a job thing. Not so much now over the last few years because I love what I do, but I'm normally trying to escape. And I use it as a yellow flag when I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to the gym again today. You know, I've been this morning, but I'll go again this evening. It's a yellow flag for me now where I'm like, okay, what am I avoiding? I'm normally avoiding some form of conflict or some form of area in my life that I'm, I'd rather just, it's my version of numbing out to TV. I don't numb out to TV, but I will numb out to exercise. And if that's you as someone that came through it, it can be a useful thing to check back in with. And it's not an easy, it's, it, it's, it's not an easy realization to, to jump into cause it's really uncomfortable. Cause you're like, fuck, there's something I'm really uncomfortable right now when I'm avoiding. For me, it's always been like I did it. I remember when I was in a really toxic relationship years ago, like I was just training multiple times a day because I just didn't want to see my partner. I didn't want to see my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, I just don't want to talk to her. Like, but I was just, you know, too much of a coward or didn't have the confidence to break up with her. I was kind of hoping she'd just do it to me. Like, but I would just train and work out through it. And that was the first time ever when I'm like, why am I training multiple hours a day? I'm like, what am I avoiding? And now... I use that as a check-in point regularly. Failure is feedback. Thankfully, it hasn't come up in the last few years unless I'm training for an event, which is very structured as opposed to it happening randomly. But, you know, I know people listening to this podcast might connect with that. And as someone that's lived through it, it's always worth checking back in with. Yeah, that's great. So you're suggesting that if anyone's listening, go into the gym more so you eventually get your girlfriend to, or boyfriend to break up with you. Is not you should, you, you should be having a bit more honest look at yourself and going, just let's have that conversation. It's just, I look back and go, do you know when you think of your younger self and you're like, you're such an idiot. Like I, I, that's how I think now I'm 33 in the next few days, next week. And I'm like, I'm going to look back when I'm 43 and be like my 33 year old self knew nothing. Cause like, I'm thinking back to my 23 year old self. And I'm like, man, that guy was an idiot. He knew nothing. <laughs> like, so the thing that worries me about that is that you are like, I, I just turned 40 and you're like, 
I don't think that's going to stop. Like, you think you're starting to reach a point of like self actualization and, and maturity. I'm going to be 60 and going, 40? What a knob. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what about? I know. But, like, but that's the, I think that's the beauty. Like, the beauty, the only difference is you become aware of it that you're like in 10 years this is i'm i'm going to know i knew fuck all like it's the, the paradox <laughs> yeah. of, of knowledge like the more you know the less you know um, and i think it's very much the life version of that i just wish we all knew each other when we were 20 we'd have had a great time <laughs> oh, we'd have been we'd have been uh, that would have been yeah we won't go into what that potentially could have been like <laughs> yeah i was around 20 i was loose I was, <laughs> same i was same. Uh, i was in yeah. the gym it was fine <laughs> yeah. multiple times a day <laughs> covered in fake tan yeah, yeah it's so, the worst thing that's the old bodybuilder thing two things that i'll never do for the rest of my life ever is i won't put on fake tan again and i won't shave my body and and just for context that's from bodybuilding for anyone that doesn't know bodybuilding that's what you have to do uh just two areas in my life that i'm like nope i'm never ever ever doing that again that's uh yeah and there's your takeaway <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's it we, 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 we did a full 360 on that <laughs> I've actually got one last question, and then we will um, we can wrap it up. How do you how do you help people, Brian, to to manage their expectations? Because I think this this super inspiring to listen to someone like yourself go. I've done this marathon, this long distance. I've done this ultra. I've done a seven day event, and then and I think there's always, as you say, this, this you can move yourself to a place where you can commit to these bigger these bigger objectives, these these more sort of time consuming um, goals. But how do how should people manage their expectations when they get started? Because it's jumping in at, like you say, that top level of just going all out hard out into something which is probably outside of your reach. Like, are you setting yourself up for failure, or do you recommend that, or, or where do you? Where, how do people scale? So some of the stuff that we've talked about, how do we how do we sort to to, to move forwards practically? Yeah, it's interesting because I think personality type definitely plays a role here based on the person and how people approach things generally. But what I'd say is aligning expectations on the front end is important but paradoxically a lot of dissatisfaction and unhappiness comes from setting the expectation too high like i've been a long time subscriber that desires the contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get the thing that you want and i think that approach to expectations can be useful on the front end and i'm not saying don't strive for these things but your attachment to them is going to determine how you feel on that journey. And I'm a believer in setting the goal slightly higher or further than you think you can achieve and being very real about what that point is and addressing and figuring out where your starting point is. So it's very easy for me to train for these ultramarathons. Like I run my own business. I've got people working for me. I've lots of free time during the day. I say no to nearly everything that comes my way. And I have the time in the day. I get up early, but I have the time in the day to train and to work out. When I was working full-time as a teacher, there's no way I'd be able to train for these events. Like they just, I just didn't, wouldn't have had the bandwidth. I wouldn't have been able to prioritize the nutrition or the recovery or the training and probably wouldn't even have the mindset to do it. Whereas I can now. So everyone's life situation is set up differently. So your expectations are going to be completely relative based on your starting point and based on what you can actually do right now and prioritize. But what I will say is I, the personality type, and some will connect with this and some won't, that I need to be excited about the goal. And in order for me to get excited about the goal, it needs to be slightly unachievable in my mind. So when I train for Marathon to Saab, the six back-to-back marathons in the Sahara, I had never ran a marathon 
up to that point. Now I did in preparation for it, but because a marathon didn't excite me. I like, I, I grew up playing GA, playing sports. I'm like, I could probably run a marathon if I just trained for it for a couple of months, but I wasn't sure if I could run six in the desert. Now that's not to say sign up to six marathons in the desert. It's so relative. It might be someone that's not sure if they can do a 10K or can't do a half marathon or they can't do a 10K, but they sign up to a half marathon because that will really stretch them. But equally, people on the other side of that who are kind of low confidence, that's where you start really, really small and you just literally take the first step. So running is a great example because it's such a tangible way to set goals. Like you want to run a 10K, you want to run a half marathon, you want to run a full marathon. Whatever your goal is that you're setting, and you're, the version of this could be a calisthenic move, it could be a business goal, it could be a life goal, whatever it is. But in the context of setting the expectation, if you're very low confidence to begin with, for whatever reason, you haven't, you know, confidence is just when you repeatedly keep promises to yourself. And if you're not someone that's done that repeatedly over time, then you need to start small. You decide that you're going to go to the gym tomorrow and you're going to try and walk you know, half a kilometer and you're going to go the next day, regardless of how you feel. And you're going to try and do half a kilometer again. And you're going to gradually build up. And as you build more confidence and you build more confidence, you're going to start to increase the amount of distance you do when you build up to it. And that figurative distances could look like different things based on the goal, but get clear on what you're trying to do in the front end. If you need to set it higher and further than you think you can achieve, because that's what gets you excited like me, then that's what you do. If you're someone that really struggles with that thought or even struggles with the goal as it is, start small and build up gradually and realize that the expectation, and it's brilliant to have goals and brilliant to work towards them. And I'm all for motivation, motivational content and you know, go after the things you want. I'm a big believer in that, but also realize that desire is the contract you keep to yourself to be unhappy until you get the thing that you want. And that's not useful either. So the way you approach it is going to be important. Make sure your mindset is right from the front end and then how you set your expectations. Just make sure it reverse engineers your personality type. Great. Thanks, Brian. Um, my final question is just a little bit around um, you're doing, you know, you've done and doing some, a lot of, uh, let's say, crazy things when you talk about multiple marathons and ultras and that type of stuff. Do like something that we talk about quite a lot and decisions we're making around our training right now is, you know, to mention is, is 40. I'm, getting towards 40 um starting to make decisions about longevity like what how i train now what's how's that going to serve me when i'm 50 60 and beyond and we talk about investing now in our physical pension just like people would invest in their their actual pension like what does you know and i know you've you've integrated some like human flag training into your into your training and that sort of thing and but what what's the do you think about like later and and what does what does that look like for you? Where would you like to sort of take that to? And I had to, I forget to ask you before, the very short one was, do you nasal breathe or can, do you, do you slash can you when you're doing your, your marathon running? Oh, I don't even know how I breathe when I do my marathon running. That shows you how much I've thought about that. I just, I just breathe, breathe, motherfucker, breathe. It just goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the longevity aspect. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of recovery work now, way more than I ever did. And it's a little bit of a, a contrast. Like I, I'm very aware that the amount of mileage I do and the runs is not good for my body. I'm doing it to hit a specific goal. Now, I also, even though I joked earlier that I'll be training and doing pull-ups till I'm 97, I won't be running until I'm 97. I would be surprised if, 
you know, in 10 years time, I'm still running. I'll probably have done all the ultras I wanted to do. I'll have probably ticked off that box and I'll have moved on to something else. I'll have got what I wanted from it. So it's unlikely that I'll do it for the long term. But I do a lot of a lot of stretching, a lot of rolling, the the cold, the heat, that exposure. I'm a big focus on sleep, big recover. Um, um, like I couldn't be a bigger believer in sleep. Like I get eight hours minimum every single night. Like sometimes I need nine, sometimes I need 10. If I've had a really intense training day, I'll prioritize 10. Now, I again, I've got great people around me that I can, I can do that. But it's looking at it holistically. And I'm trying to not rob from Peter to pay Paul because of the amount of training mm. I'm doing. I'm aware that I need to probably do double the recovery. And as of now, I do for that reason, that I want to be able to move when I'm 70. I want to be able to run when I'm 80. I want to be able to lift when I'm 90. And I keep that in mind now, equally mindful that the amount of damage I put on my body from running probably doesn't help that, but I'm willing to take the short-term brunt on my body for what would probably be a long-term benefit from the feeling I'll get when I've hit the goals in the multiple races. And then when I'll eventually move on to the next thing. Now I do need to incorporate more yoga, Pilates and things in, but I do quite a lot of recovery work and focus on that for that exact reason. Mm. The sleep, the sleep thing is, um, is a good point to highlight because we actually didn't mention it before we, you were talking about 5am get-ups and people would then probably think that crikey, I bet he's really sleep deprived, but I've texted you before at like eight o'clock at night and then didn't get a reply to the morning. You're like, Oh, sorry, mate, I'll go to bed. I'm, I'm at eight o'clock. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped up in bed. So like getting up at five is actually possible. Whereas, um, yeah, it's good to just let people, everyone that I listen to from the sort of health and wellness world is like sleep, as you said, is, is important, but not, it's literally like the number one thing for us to, to maintain our, our health and wellness. So yeah, it's good to reinforce that and not get confused yeah. by the early get-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, to, uh, just a one last point on that. Like, going to bed early is actually harder than getting up earlier. Like getting up early is as straightforward as set the alarm and don't snooze it 10 times. Like it's not easy, but it's that straightforward. Going to bed is hard. Like I found the only benefit, it took me a few weeks, actually probably took me a couple of months really before I got right. Because what happens is, you know, I know Tim, you definitely, you'll connect with this. Like, when you've got a young one at home or, you know, a kid at home, you're trying to get back some of that time when they go to bed. And I had to let go of that and be like, well, I'm just going to go to bed at the same time, you know, and that can be tricky because you're, you're, you're getting that time back and you're like, well, I could, you know, chill now. I could watch something on TV. I could do this, that, or the other. And I just kind of chose to make that sacrifice. And that was a good trade-off because I'm like, well, I'm getting the time back in the morning um, to do other things. But for people who want to or are considering are doing a 5 a.m. or joining the 5 a.m. club or 6 a.m. club, understand that it'll take more effort to go to bed early. The only benefit is if you keep getting up, you'll be really tired at that time and you'll want to go to bed after a week or two. Um, but just so you know on the front end, so you have all the data and information, going to bed earlier is actually more difficult than the getting up part. Perfect. Well, we've covered some ground today, boys. We've done well. Mm. Been around the hours. We go. We've got all, um, all the mindset stuff, some t- fake tan thrown in there. Just a little, <laughs> we've got, if you got the video on this, we've got Jacko's hair. Like just, it's just, it's boss. I'm just like, yeah. you just want to like, it, it's just, just, I just want a load of gel and just like proper, bring it back, you know, proper soprano style. Mate, it does, it does. It, Tim, Tim, Tim thinks it looked like a, a young Richard Gere or an old Richard Gere. It's it's oh, yeah. it's like a luscious mane. It doesn't need it doesn't need gel. It just does its own thing. 
Oh, it's so it's just, I'm just like, anyone that's watching is just like, there's jealousy. I've got hair jealousy right now. It's a legit <laughs> thing. Well, Brian, you're pretty easy to find, mate, on social. But for people that want to have a have a look at your content, find out about your books, follow your your, your the, the great stuff that you put out, where where do people go and, and where can they find you? Awesome. Yeah, just the Brian Keen podcast is the podcast and Brian Keen Fitness across all the social media channels. I'm on all of them. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much for coming and sharing your expertise, knowledge, stories from skin in the game it's all really useful and i think hopefully there's, there's um, people will really resonate with some stuff in there and i guess that the takeaway from that is is to try and encourage people to take action in some way don't don't hear this and then just let it let it fall away is to try and do one thing off the back of it um to actually kind of implement something that we that you've heard that might have resonated with you lads pleasure is all mine thank you so much again for having me on uh, well um we're really going to touch you now brian because uh, you this isn't your first time on the podcast this isn't your first rodeo Hopefully, we're going to see whether you remember how we sign our podcast off. Like normally with the guests that were drawn for the first time, they didn't know we we sort of tee them up and then we can edit it out. We'll see whether we can uh, be interested. We can keep this bad, bad boy in. Are you ready? Oh, think about the school theme. What would the teacher say at the end of the day? I know it's 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 not it's not classes. Oh well, yeah, yeah, you get there. Yeah, think what we say. Yeah, I know the it's the, it's not it's not classes in session. Class, it's not class. Well, no, because it's not in session. We're, yeah. we're leaving it's finishing it's you it's, can go home now you're going you are... home it's class class is over that's close no that's not that's not a snappy yeah. <laughs> this just show this just shows when i listen to the podcast i always i get i never yeah, listen never to outros and podcasts i get i get to about three quarters of the but way you know the podcast of ours that you were on before you were you were there to the end because it was you <laughs> i know but, but that was yeah that's gone out of my brain the, um yeah it's time to go home like, i've got to i'm going to dismiss people class is dismissed class dismissed so thank you so much again for listening we don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts and we really do appreciate that we hope you got a load of value out of it guys and we would if you did we would love you to do a couple of things for us one of them is tell us other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value and also if you want to pop over to itunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five star review we like five stars four stars not as good keep it five are the best five of your best stars please <laughs> and if you would like to find out more about the school of calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got head over to our virtual classroom you can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com and that is where we have got literally possibly the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world it's definitely the best one we've done and on that note until next week class dismissed <laughs>